Hi, this is Lucinda Linfant. I'm a healthcare accreditation coordinator and an RN. Today, I'm going to talk to you about workplace violence. The Joint Commission defines workplace violence as an act or threat occurring in the workplace that can include any of the following verbal, nonverbal, written, or physical aggression, threatening, intimidating, harassing, or humiliating words, actions, bullying or sabotage, sexual harassment, physical assaults, or other behaviors of concern involving staff, licensed practitioners, patients, or visitors. On January 1, 2022, new and revised requirements addressing workplace violence prevention programs will go into effect. The new standards include, but are not limited to, because I just don't have time to cover every little thing, um, that the hospital manages safety and security risks. The hospital performs a worksite analysis every year to identify and resolve workplace violence, safety, and security risks. The hospital collects information to monitor conditions in the environment. I know these are vague, but you know, this is how they work. The hospital monitors, reports, and investigates safety and security incidents including those related to workplace violence. This would be through like reporting through your MIDAS or whatever you use at your facility. Staff participate in ongoing education and training. The hospitals train staff on workplace violence issues on hire every year. And when changes to the program warrant re-education. The education should include roles of responsibilities of workers, de-escalation training, emergency response, and incident reporting requirements. Leaders create and maintain a culture of safety and quality throughout the hospital. And designate an individual to leave, lead a violence prevention program developed by a multidisciplinary team. This should outline the process for a support of victims and witnesses of a violent incident who may require counseling. Now, why is this such a hot topic? According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics data, the incidence of violence related to healthcare worker injury has steadily increased for the last decade. In 2018, it was shown that healthcare workers were five times more likely to experience workplace violence than any other workers. The Joint Commission states, exposure to workplace violence can impair effective patient care. This is common sense and lead to um, psychological distress, job dissatisfaction, being absent, high turnover, and higher cost. Well, that's a no-duh. No one wants to come to work and be abused. I want to present a few stories from healthcare workers that I have found in different articles. This one's from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And basically, frontline workers are not happy with th- the way um, things are being handled by leadership in their hospital. Um, it says cash-rich hospitals have done little to prevent violence against nurses and other medical staff in this situation at this person's organization. The 24-year-old nurse at such-and-such hospital sensed no reason to worry when she went into a patient's room one morning in August. Staff was preparing the young man for discharge, and a co-worker had asked her if she would take his vitals. She did what she was taught at school 
and she asked him to sit on the bed. But instead of complying, the 29-year-old male, tall and fit, shoved her against the wall. And as he pinned her there, she said he grabbed her genitals. When a co-worker came into the room, the man stepped back, and she was able to flee. The attack itself was traumatic, she said, and the hospital's response only made it worse. For example, she said, one supervisor's attitude was, I'm sorry that happened. Let's just get the guy out of here. It invalidates my experience and tells me it's no big deal, the woman told the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, which does not publish the names of sexual assault victims without their permission. The young nurse decided to call for hospital security. So the young woman said, of course, three deputies showed up and they're all men. It was so embarrassing, she said. I was asked three times if I consented while I was sobbing. Officers took the report and took her uh, warrants that would be issued for his arrest, she said. The nurse took several days off work. When she returned, she approached supervisors and managers expecting to hear how they intended to protect her and other employees from another assault. I said, so what's the plan? But nobody had a plan. There was nothing in the man's chart alerting nurse to his violent history and no protocol requiring a team or two or more to be in his room, she said. And nothing would prevent her from having to care for him should he show up in her unit again. The young nurse said, I didn't feel like anyone took responsibility. I was the victim, but nobody was fighting for me. The nurse said, she learned that earlier in the morning, on the day of the attack, the patient had triggered a code orange, meaning he was causing a serious behavioral disturbance. It was hard for her to imagine that nobody had warned her. After nearly a month of pleading and an inquiry from the journal Sentinel, hospital administrators began to take her case more seriously and said, she said, and they, they told her they planned to put in additional cameras, increase security patrols on the unit, and provide employees with alarms to hang around their necks. But it would take some time, they told her. It would have to be worked into the budget. Anxiety in the wake of the assault overwhelmed her. I had to quit my job because I couldn't stop crying during my shift, she said. I would be up till 4 or 5 a.m. when I had to work at 7 because I was so anxious. The man is expected to be charged with fourth-degree sexual assault after he completes psychiatric treatment required in another case. So records show he was charged in a carjacking a couple of weeks after the incident involving the nurse. Now, officials um, from the hospital reported to the Journal Sentinel and they had sent them an email that basically said, upon learning of the incident, we immediately engaged with the employee and immediately contacted law enforcement. He said that the hospital worked to address the nurse's concerns, but would not say what specific changes were made in the wake of the incident. They did go on to say, we have worked hard over the past few months to enhance existing security measures and to implement additional ones. That's pretty vague. And hospital officials did something else. They attempted to keep the nurse's story from being told publicly. And that seems to be a ongoing theme from every event that I read. We have talked with the employee and she confirmed to us that 
You do not have to consent to share the details about the incident in question, and she does not want details about the incident shared within your story, he wrote in the email. So please confirm that you are adhering to that guidance. And that's from the hospital to the nurse. The nurse agreed to multiple interviews with the Sentinel and consented in writing to her story being published. So the Sentinel, this paper, reported back to the nurse, and she basically said it was a mischaracterization uh, of her position. And of course, I'm concerned on the other end about staff members bullying other staff members or um, creating inhumane, basically inhumane work environments by stressing people out because they're just so unpleasant to work with. I'm, con- I'm considering that too in this podcast, but I just want to get to you how serious it is and what, what is going on in the world of nursing. Based on interviews with dozens of healthcare workers and security experts, as well as incident reports, data from government agency, and other documents and research, the reporting found hospitals commonly skimp on security equipment and personnel and are highly protective of their public image. Downplaying crimes and fostering a culture of silence when it comes to reporting assaults. Nurses and other, uh, others in healthcare told the journal that um, they work in hospitals that don't prepare for violence, discourage staff from pressing criminal charges, and often shift blame to nurses when their patients become aggressive. Hospitals are rarely um, required to disclose how much they spend on security. Um, there was an analysis, and they, they don't spend very much, especially in California, it looks like. Um, over the past five years, this figure has remained steady, and it's, so it's a common ongoing concern. Even prior to the pandemic, some hospitals have regularly run short staff to save money. So before the pandemic, they were some places were already running um, very short staffed. A practice studies show that leads to increased violence, and many facilities have failed to implement basic inexpensive safeguards, such, in, such as installing metal metal detectors and placing warnings in violent patients' uh, medical charts to protect employees, roughly 80% of whom are women. Nurses like teachers and other frontline workers see their job as a calling. So it's a shame that this is happening to them. The top level management, the folks who are deciding what the budget is going to look like, knows that um, they know that nurses are going to keep showing up to work. No matter how bad the situation is. This should not be a common thing. You should not just say, this is okay. You're going to get spit on as a nurse. You're going to get hit or kicked. You're going to be cussed out daily. That should not be the norm. So one of the common themes we all struggle with is to prosecute or not. If you live in a state where you are allowed to prosecute as a nurse, which a lot of states, you still cannot do that. Um, Healthcare workers are often conflicted about whether to press criminal charges against abusive patients. Many workers think that assailants deserve added compassion because they're under medical duress, often with mental health disorders. Yet at the same time, some workers would also like to see justice and think prosecution deters violence. Complicating matters, workers said, employers discourage prosecution and reinforce the longstanding attitude that violence is just part of the job. While about 70% of emergency department physicians reported being victims of workplace violence, only 3% says they pressed criminal charges, according to a study in 2018. 
if you want to learn about more violent incidences with patients versus nurse or staff, I'd recommend looking up Z-Dog MD. I know that sounds funny. The Z-Dog MD show um, covers a lot of those really bad incidences where nurses did not make it out alive or just really horrible things and talks about their recovery and everything else. So, and what leadership said and what was released out to the media and things of that nature. I don't want to get too political with it, but I will say even with bully, you know, getting bullied at work, um, situations where you're getting bullied, a lot of times other staff members see that going on and let it happen. They don't say anything. So if you see something, say something. Um, I had a personal experience with that where I was told that this unpleasant person, everyone knew this person was unpleasant, including my manager. Um, I wanted to circulate in um, the endoscopy suite. That was like my dream job at the time. So when I got put back there, I was so happy. And this person just made my life a living hell every single day. And um, kind of hard-headed. This was after I was in the military. So I just put up with it because I complained one time and my manager was like, you know how she is? You can either work back there or you can work up front, you know, um, admitting patients or being in pre or peri-op, whatever. So, uh, or post-op. So I decided that I would just put up with it every day. I mean, the whole team saw this person abuse me daily. So I just prayed about it and dealt with it for many, many years. And I was just felt so good when I left that job after eight or nine years. Like it was just such a load off of me. So I don't think people should have to put up with that. I mean, like I said, usually there's a team with you or a team of nurses, day shift, night shift, whatever. And they see this person bullying you. So if you see something, say something, say something and get something done about it because it's not fair. It's not fair. You know, probably would have stayed at that job many, 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 many more years had it been handled better. But basically, I was told to suck it up and this is normal. You know, nurses eat their young, blah, 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 blah. So whatever. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact me. I don't want to go into too much more detail about some of this because it gets pretty violent. Um, de-escalation, uh, the Joint Commission pushes de-escalation. They have several papers about it. Um, Quick Safety 47 is de-escalation in healthcare, and it discusses better training to mitigate such situations. So, um, you know, it goes into preventing violent behavior, avoiding the use of restraints, reducing patient anger and frustration, maintaining the safety of staff and patients, improving staff-patient connections, enabling patients to manage their emotions and regain personal control or composure, helping patients develop feelings of hope, security, and self-acceptance. Oftentimes, um, they can act out if they have a poor diagnosis, you know, and that is like a normal human response. We just want to make sure that they don't get physical with you um, and let them feel those emotions and let them have a moment to absorb what they've just heard because, I mean, that is very hard. Uh, same thing if, you know, family member gets bad news, the same thing can happen. They might take that out on you. Um, says the healthcare setting also plays a role in the types of aggression you might see. The Joint Commission notes that inpatient psychiatric facilities, and our organization doesn't have one of those anymore, are more likely to have patients who exhibit risk-prone behaviors such as verbal aggression, escape attempts, self-harm, 
refusing to eat or drink, displaying aggression to objects or people, which, um, and it goes to say in the ED, patients come in with various problems from hallucinations to intoxication and risk factors aren't always immediately obvious. Giving staff standardization tools to identify signs of aggression can help take the guesswork out of violence prevention. There are many tools designed for various settings. So for the emergency department, you have something called STAMP, um, starring tone and volume of voice, anxiety, mumbling, and pacing. So those are things you would look for. Um, inpatient adult pediatric uh, overt aggression scale is what you're going to use. Inpatient psychiatric unit adult, um, the Brosette violence checklist. Inpatient psychiatric unit pediatric and teen, you're going to use the brief rating of aggression by children and adolescents. And here are some interventions that um, the Joint Commission gives us to de-escalate patients. Educate staff on de-escalation techniques and have them practice using the techniques. Use clear, calm, and non-confrontational verbal communication. Avoid using abbreviations or healthcare terms. Be respectful and supportive of a patient's issues and problems when approaching the patient. Use non-threatening body language. Use risk assessment tools for early detection and intervention. Res respond to the patient's expressed problems or conditions to build trust. Set clear limits for the patients to follow. Implement environmental control such as minimizing lighting, noise, and loud conversation. And also, like, we used to do crisis prevention intervention classes, and these are the 10 tips for de-escalation, which basically are the same as what I had just said. Be empathetic and non-judgmental. -judge Respect personal space. Use non-threatening body language. That's always over and over. Avoid overreacting. You know, step back and take a breath or let somebody else go in there and handle it. Sometimes if they, the patient sees a new face, that really does help a lot. Sometimes it's just you, you know, they don't like your personality or whatever. Focus on the person's feelings, ignore challenging questions, set limits, choose wisely what you insist upon, allow for silence and reflection, and allow time for decisions. And just this subject one more time before I let you go, uh, how, how important leaders are in this, in this area. Um, we need to look at the fact that workplace violence uh, erodes workplace satisfaction. And when staff aren't satisfied with their job, they might um, have an increase in calling in sick, lower pro productivity and high staff turnover. And it, it interferes with our ability to communicate with one another. If there is a fear of communicating, whether it be providers or leaders within the organization, um, there is a fear that they are going to retaliate or belittle the person because they didn't like a particular thing that they asked responding. Oh, that's just a stupid question. Um, you need to look this up yourself. That type of behavior erodes the confidence that um, the person has coming forward with bigger issues. And I can attest to that, that is true. Take, take them seriously, let them talk to you let them say what they need to say. Because if they can't trust you um, when it's something small, how can they feel comfortable bringing forward something of great significance? The ANA and the Joint Commission, they both have um, K-12 
campaigns going on right now to protect nurses. Uh, the ANEA has a nurse's call to action. I will protect my own life so I can protect my patients. It says one in four um, nurses are assaulted. And you can pledge to this to try to change the situation. I recommend going to their website and checking that out. There are many, many resources on there. So um, make sure to, you know, there's hashtag in nurse abuse, hashtag uh, silent no more. Make sure to Google it and look at some of these other cases. They're, they're just too, I just can't read them to you. They're, they're too bad. They're too bad. It's awful. It's awful what happens. So uh, make sure and do your research, you know, check out the ANA website and the Joint Commission website. There's plenty of resources on there um, for staff on staff violence or patient nurse, nurse patient violence. Um, and I'll end today with that. So have a great day, and if you have any questions, send me an email, or if you need to talk about anything, feel free to contact me.